It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. Paul Dettino, John Schmelk, Jeff Fiegels will be with us on Thursday this week, not Tuesday, so you can ignore those promotions Paul and I put up on the internet. <laughs> uh, but we are going to have a guest in just a second, Rick Saratella. Uh, from NFL Draft Bible. Uh, he joins us every year, does a great job. So make sure uh, you guys go check that out. I will let Rick uh, give a description of everything else that he does when he comes on with us in just a minute. Uh, the Giants started their voluntary minicamp today. Uh, Paul and I were out there at practice. Short practice, obviously just shorts and T-shirts, no pads or anything. So right. not a ton to talk about. It was pretty well paced. They actually had a couple seven-on-seven sessions. There mm-hmm. were no incomplete passes in those sessions, but... Uh, just to see the good, uh, just good to see the guys out there on the field, Paul, to kind of see what they're up to. It really was, John. Uh, Daniel Jones threw the ball very well. It was good to see guys such as Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay yep. uh, running, you know, about as full speed as you can in these kinds of drills. We know you're not going 100 miles an hour because it's not a real game conditions uh, out there, but. Uh, it was great to see them uh, out there catching balls and doing things. I, I will say this, because we cannot get into any strategy. The formations that we saw from this offense today are things that Giants fans probably will not recognize. And even defensively, Paul, the way they were lining up, too, with some mm-hmm. of their you know, stuff that Wink did in Baltimore, Well, without giving details. It's yes. a new administration, mm-hmm. and you know they're going to bring their flavors to the table. And there's no question, uh, just from this first day of voluntary minicamp, we are seeing different flavors. Uh, and that was certainly uh, pretty pretty cool to watch. All right, let's get to our guest. He is Rick Saratello. And then, by the way, folks, we'll take your calls probably around 1230. So if you want to give us a call around 1220, 1225, get in line. We'll do a straight half-hour calls when we're done with Rick uh, coming your way at 1230. So 201-939-4513 is that phone number. For now, let's bring in our guest. He is Rick Saratello, the creator of the NFL Draft Bible. Rick, I want to make sure I get all this right. What exactly are you doing now so I promote the right stuff? How about you just take the lead and do that yourself? And, Rick, don't leave, leave out the fact that you also sell peanuts and uh, souvenirs <laughs> at the concession stand. <laughs> we got meatball sandwiches and all that. What's happening, fellas? Uh, we're over on Sports Illustrated, SI.com. It's uh, easy to find us over on the NFL Draft portion of the website, and we're going to have draft coverage all next week. Albert Breer and myself, we're going to be doing pre and post uh, draft hits and nice. uh, NFLDraftBible.com. You can find out all of our analysis. We've got over 600 sky reports. We've got the digital draft guide this year, and we've got you know, 2023 already underway, so it's a can't-stop, won't-stop situation. Rick, how about this? I'm going to ask you this question to lead it off, and it's completely counterintuitive, but I don't care. You know, we've been talking a lot about strategy here and teams maybe thinking about punting the quarterback class in 2022, looking ahead to 2023. I realize we're very early. What does that 2023 quarterback class look like? Just because you just brought it up, you're already looking ahead to next year. Yeah, I mean, I think at the top you're looking at Bryce Young out of Alabama, C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State, two guys that have proved they can play at a high level, play on a big stage, make a lot of throws. Uh, I think, you know, there's definitely concerns about the, the durability and frame issues, and I think some of that has kind of gone by the wayside or out the window over recent years. And I, I had a chance to talk to Bryce Young and uh, at the Maxwell Club. He's, he's right around six foot, maybe a shade under, and I don't think that bothers teams so much anymore. Uh, so we'll see, but I think those are the two top guys that we're looking at. Will Levis is another guy that people have been pumping up. Anthony Richardson is from Florida. If you're looking for a guy to really skyrocket next season, that's a, a lot of a lot of hype around that young man. Rick, David Deal mentioned something to me. I remember way back when, when this whole COVID thing was going on, and the NCAA said, okay, we're going to give these guys that super senior year that they can get that one more uh, a year in at the NCAA level. David right away said, oh, my God, you know what that's going to do to the 2022 draft? It's going to make it thick and heavy. And, and obviously, from all the reports and everybody we've talked to and all the studying we've done, that has indeed happened. 
Is this the heaviest, thickest draft you have ever seen in, in your years of doing this? And how do you think that bodes for the 2023 draft? Yeah, you know, I think it's very deep at some specific positions, the deepest of all time. It, it might well, very well be, Paul. That's a good question. I'll circle back to it. But to your point, it doesn't just impact this year's draft. It impacts next year's mm-hmm. draft. It impacts the draft after that. And, oh, by the way, 5,000 players in the transfer portal, that's a whole other story uh, that the colleges have to deal with. So it's kind of had ramifications. It's kind of shaking up the whole college landscape. And, hey, perfect example, last year on our big board, we could only find about 725 guys or so on our board for the entire draft class. That was last year. This year, we've got twice as many players. We've got 1,400 players on the board. Twice as many. Twice as many. Twice as many players on the board with measurements and verified heights, weights, 40s, and all that. So uh, these pro days, by the way, invaluable again especially for the small school guys as you guys know only 350 players invited to the nfl scouting combine so these pro days was a big deal for a lot of players and also a new trend this year we saw more than ever before players not running the shuttle not running the three cone not running the 40 some of them and waiting to do it at their pro day workout follow a question rick uh, because the super senior class has taken advantage of it, do you think that future classes will wait to see how these results panned out in terms of these guys taking their extra year of college eligibility or maybe bypassing that year and coming out? I, I would assume that if I were in, a, in that boat, if I were an underclassman and I was in a position a year or two down the road, I'd want to see how these classes turn out before I decided if I was going to use that extra year in college. How do you see it? I mean, I think there's a lot of moving parts there, Paul. I think you've got to, one, assess the depth of position. For example, the quarterback, it would have been a great year to come out this year if you're a quarterback. And sure. You've got to weigh each position. I also think with all these spring league startups, you're going to see all these guys hanging out in the transfer portal. You're going to see some of these spring leagues start to go after college players and pay them, and I think that's going to be interesting mm. to see. And so I think it's a case-by-case situation. I think you're going to see a very deep and large uh, draft pool once again next year, and it's going to sort itself out eventually, but it's a two- or three-year trickle-down. Yeah, I, th- I think it is interesting, Rick. You know, we, we like to dig deep in, into the later rounds and middle rounds, but I'll start at the top because I think that's the lead story, and I'll let, I'll, I'll let you kind of take this whatever way you want. If you had to give us your best guess today, nine days before the start of the draft, how do you think the first four picks in the draft go? You know, I think it's Aiden Hutchinson, Trent Balky has to play safe in Jacksonville. Trayvon Walker out of Georgia, the defensive line, I think right now is the front runner of Detroit. Houston, I believe, will take the first offensive tackle with Evan Neal out of Alabama. The Jets could go in a, a lot of different directions. I have a hard time believing that if Kayvon Thibodeau falls to them at four, I think Joe Douglas is the kind of GM that will pull the trigger and take the best player available in the NFL draft. If not, it may be Sauce Gardner. If not, I would not rule out Icky Iguanu. And then at number five, drumroll please, I mean, I know we're hearing a lot of whispers there. So I'm going to dive into that situation. Well, you make up a you make a, a really good point, John, in terms of this hypothetical. Let's go with the order that you just took. If you are the Giants, excuse me, and you have five and seven, Rick, we've had this debate for months on this program about the opportunity to trade one of those picks and get future assets, which of course would also include, hypothetically, a first rounder next year to hedge your bet against the quarterback situation. Do you believe that there are two players at five and seven, or will be, that you have enough conviction in that they will be premier players, star players, that you could not pass up and take the gamble of making the deal to include next year's first-round pick? Well, one, I'll say this. First, with the quarterback situation, the Giants are in prime position at five. Carolina has had every big quarterback in. Kenny Pickett was recruited to Temple by Matt Rule before he left for Baylor. The Panthers' owner is David Tepper, a graduate of Pittsburgh. The New Orleans Saints have been linked to Kenny Pickett. They have now 
the 16th and 19th overall pick. So if you want to, Saints, if you want to give me 16 and 19 to move up to number five, sign me up. With that being said, I'd be more than happy to take whoever falls to me between Tavon Thibodeau and Sauce Gardner at five, knowing that the Giants currently, from what I understand, are in, in love with Charles Cross. I think you can have him at seven. And so I would go best player that falls to me at five between those two. And then I'd, I'd try to go for Charles Cross at seven. With that being said, I, I think we talked about it. The sweet spot of the draft is day two. And this year's draft, if you could pick up a first-rounder for next year, great. But I don't mind sliding down because, really, to me, there's like three blue-chip prospects. After that, players five through 50, they're very evenly ranked. Interesting. All right, so let's talk about the offensive tackles then, Rick, uh, before we start digging into that kind of five to 50 range. You are the third person now that's told me in the last couple days, and I've heard from various people that the Giants think Charles Cross might be the the best tackle, and that's the guy that they would like to try to get. How do you sort through those top three tackles on the board? The way I see it, just very quickly, I think Neil's kind of the safe guy. He can do a little bit of everything, position versatility. If you want the physical mauler, it's a Quanu. Maybe he's a guard long-term, not a tackle. And if you want the best pass protector, but you're worried about the other stuff, it's Cross. Uh, how, how do you evaluate those three guys if the Giants do maybe have their pick of one, two, or even three of those guys? Yeah, I mean, I think Evan Neal is the safest floor, right? He checks off every single box. And I think, to me, if I was playing a game tomorrow, Evan Neal's my guy. Yeah, if I was betting on the upside, yeah, if I was betting on the upside, uh, Icky, Iguano, I mean, this guy's a freak. I think he has superstar potential. I really love I think he's really still improving the best is, is still to come. Charles Cross, I mean, yeah, I think he's got to still continue to work on the run blocking. I don't think it's as big of a deal as it's been made, but I see no issues. I love his tenacity. I love how he gets into the second level. For me, if I was choosing, I would go Icky, Neil, then Cross, but I can't argue with anybody who likes Evan Neal, number one. As usual, we agree, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you something else, though. Let, 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 let me ask you this. There are three guys who seem to have a various, or there are various opinions, I should rephrase, about three guys who are in that top seven range, whether it's Thibodeau, whether it's Hamilton, whether it's Trayvon Walker. You'll get some people who say they should be top three. Other people say, okay, top seven. Other people say top ten. Why the variance? Is it is it simply a matter of preference, or do you believe that the toolbox just doesn't necessarily show up for some people as it does others? Yeah, you know, again, here, I think every team values different traits, right? You could hear Trent Baalke when he was in San Francisco. He wanted these big, athletic, uh, trait kind of defensive linemen, which is why you hear, like, you know, Trayvon Walker is still in consideration there. Now, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau is a guy that is kind of being hindered here by this perception that he takes plays off, which I tend to disagree with. But to me, he's the best overall talent. I don't care what what kind of uh, attitude concerns you have there. Give me the best player available. And somebody you didn't mention, who to me is the second best player in this year's draft, is Derek Singley. Now, I think he's a little bit too risque for the Giants because the, the Liz Frank is a scary injury. And I don't think the Giants are in position to draft a guy coming off that type of injury. But I think when we look back 10 years from now, go turn on the film two years ago, Derek Stingley, go turn on our practice film against Jamar Chase. Derek Stingley, to me, is the second-best player after Thibodeau. But to answer your question, I think it's all about what you value, uh, what, what what your philosophy is. Are you, are you going best available player or are you drafting by need? And I think every franchise, there's this influx of young GMs, there's all these wheelers and dealers. You got eight teams with two first round picks. You got eight teams with zero first round picks. And I think you're going to see a lot of trading come draft night. One more question on a follow up there, if I can. You mentioned Stingley a second ago. Now, he ran at the pro day and was blazing fast. From what you have heard, the scuttlebutt around the league, how many teams will not be afraid of him because of that foot injury? And how many do you think are still going to be a little wary? Uh, yeah, I wish I knew the answer to that question because I think a lot of it uh, rests on that medical, you know, some of these x-rays and what the doctors are, are recommending. And 
you know, with the Liz Frank, again, like, we don't know the severity of that break. I heard it was a pretty big deal, but then he goes out at the pro day and he seems pretty good there, but you don't know about the long-term effects. Hey, he got through a pro day workout break and he withholds 15, 20 games. That's to be determined. All right, so let, let's talk about – the one guy we haven't talked about is Jermaine Johnson. How high do you think he might pop up here, Rick, on team's board? Could he end up being a top-five guy, or do you think he's going to be limited to the top ten? You know, top five is a little rich for me. I actually view that there's teams that prefer George Karlaftis over Jermaine Johnson, and I don't think Karlaftis gets a lot of love from the mainstream media, but I, I think a lot of teams have him as the number three uh, pass rusher on their board. So I, I, I kind of see Jermaine Johnson somewhere, you know, 7 to 15 range, I would imagine. And, and it really depends on when does that first guy come off the board. Does Walker go two or does he go four? And what is the trickle down with Thibodeau? Because Thibodeau is a wild card. To follow up on that very quickly, I, I agree. I think that's a wild card. Paul, I'm going to let you try to fight him off on Karloftis there because I know you feel pretty strongly about him. I'm not a Karloftis guy, uh, Rick. I, I don't think he's going to be a, a premier pass rusher in this league. I think he's more of a, a three technique, a run stopper. I'll play him as a 4-3 four, uh, four, defensive tackle. And I think he's strong and he's got great uh, te- technique himself. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a smart player. I think he gets after it. He, he uses everything in his toolbox. But I don't see him as a double-digit sack guy coming off the edge. I just don't. No, and I would agree that he's not a double-digit sack guy, but I do think that he is a solid – you know what you're getting. Again, there's a high floor here. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, right? He's a pleasant-play guy. He's going to get you seven, eight, maybe nine sacks a year. And, hey, that's a solid contributor. What more can you ask for out of a first-round pick? Am I saying I take him in the top ten? You know, probably not. I'm just telling you that there are teams that value this kid a lot higher than what the media is recording. Well, I think the question here, though, and John just mentioned Johnson a moment ago before you brought up Carl Loftus, if you have the choice between those two guys, there seems to be a groundswell of people who think that Johnson out of Florida State will be a double-digit sack guy and has a much better upside as a pure pass rusher off the edge. I would tend to agree with those people, to be frank with you. Well, hey, uh, he had an impressive senior bowl performance. You know, you can't argue that against the top-tier competition. I would say that Johnson does fit the giant scheme more than Carl Oftis. And, hey, if you're comparing them side-by-side, you know, I think Johnson has a little bit more upside. I think Carl Loftus is a much more polished player. I don't know. I'm a little biased because when I saw Carl Loftus in person, I call him the Greek god. He's a bully. He, I mean, he throws around grown men like ragdolls. Mm-hmm. I and mean, he's got impressive strength. He's got a great technique. He can slide up and down that defensive line. And I just think he's going to be a solid player. Maybe not an all-pro, but really solid contributor. All right, so, Rick, let's let's jump down there. Let's say the Giants wind up with Sauce Gardner and an offensive tackle at 5-7, and seven, right? And they're looking for a pass rusher at the top of that second round. Who are the guys that you like in that area that might fall and still be there? Uh, I, I gave a second watch to Drake Jackson the other night. I think he's very good. I like Arnold Ebiketti. Uh I know some people like Boye Mafe. Uh, Nick Benito is a speed guy. Who are the guys that you like at the top of that second round that could be, you know, impact edge rushers the day they walk in the door? Drake London is the guy. He's like the Rodney Dangerfield that never gets talked about. I don't know if it's just because we're over here on the East Coast, but I never really hear him too much. You mean Drake uh, Jackson, way, right? You, you mean Drake Jackson, right? Yeah. You said, yeah, yeah. Uh, you said Drake London. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. In, in that group, I'm with yeah, John yeah. on this, Rick. I like him. I like Jackson. I think I think yeah. he's very intriguing. Yeah, and, and, and he came in. Now, he was. 55 at the combine and then he came at his pro day 274 and the scouts loved it and, and they still believe that he's quick enough to remain he ran a 465 i believe at 274 and so they believe he can still play that outside linebacker position in a 34 defense i like that young man a lot in the second round my jay sanders i mean we talked about jermaine johnson's senior well uh, my jay sanders from cincinnati this guy was kind of overlooked uh, six foot five, great length. He's still growing into that frame, but he's got explosiveness. I think he's right there 
uh, in the mix after. I think Boyamase from Minnesota has a chance to sneak into the back end of the first round. But, man, there's so many pass rushers, right? You mentioned the Penn State at the Ketai. Uh, I mean, how many guys can really sneak into the first round? I, I, I think he has a chance to be on the board, and he's a fast riser as we're leading up to the draft and getting closer. But um, we mentioned Thibodeau, Hutchinson, Walker, Carlathis. Those are four first-round guys. Logan Hall out of uh, Houston is a guy. Well, I like him a lot, Rake. Lo- Logan Hall is some type of – he can penetrate, man. Whoo, he is athletic. Yeah, yeah, and he's another guy you can kind of move move around and, and find. And, hey, how about how about this? If you really want to go with the upside, David Ajabu out of Michigan. I mean, this, they, people were talking about him in the top half of the first round. Well, you know, suddenly if, if you can get him at thirty six, I mean, you have you have to consider it at least. Piece of information for you, Rick, that I, I don't know if you heard, but we had the USC radio analyst on just recently the other day talking about Drake Jackson, and you mentioned his weight gain. I like him as a 4-3 defensive end. He himself apparently wants to be a stand-up guy who's going to play outside linebacker in a 3-4 and roam around and cover and rush and do all that other stuff. And why is he putting all this weight on then? Well, exactly. So he says, I believe he has been quoted as saying he wants to play at like 265, but he still wants to be an outside linebacker at 265. Now, in talking to the USC radio analyst, he said, no, no, his best position, he's got to get his mind to it. Get his hand in the dirt, let him play defensive end, and let him go after the quarterback. Not that he doesn't have range, but he needs he needs to, to, to maximize his potential by being a pass rusher as opposed to a guy who's going to cover a lot of space and range and coverage. Just a little FYI. Well, you know, I don't necessarily disagree, and he has a good arm length. I think the concern there is that six foot two and a half. You know, to put him as a down lineman and, and have to go up against these offensive tackles, how does that translate? It's it's questionable, and I think he can. You know, he's big enough and athletic enough to to make it work. I don't know. I, I think he, again. Listen, guys. I mean. 75% of these defenses around the league are a hybrid type of scheme, and yeah. I think the Giants are turning in that direction. So at the end of the day, I'm a big believer. If the guy can play football and he's talented and he's the best player on the board, let's go get him. We'll figure it out. Rick, same question, except let's say the Giants go edge and offensive tackle at the top of the first round, and they have to go cornerback in round two. I kind of have Kyer Elam, Andrew Booth, and Kyler Gordon in, in kind of a, a cluster here. And I was sitting last night I was as I was watching TV at home trying to figure out how I would rank them. I think I finally decided it depends on what scheme you want to play. How do you sort through those three? Do you think any of those three could be available to the Giants when they pick there at the top of round two? You know, Elam is a guy that's been really high on all boards for a long time. And I'm hearing now that there's a lot of love for him around the league. I almost feel like he's a first-round lock at this point. Um, Tyler Gordon out of Washington actually played a lot of zone scheme, and when he was asked to play man, he, he was really grabby, almost a little bit too grabby to my liking. And he's got to work on that, but um, I think he'll be available. I, I, I like Tyler Gordon. Do I love him? You know, he's not as big as as I want if he's going to play on the perimeter. Um, how about a guy, if you're going to lose James Bradbury, though, I, I think in the second round you could even consider, you could state a case, and, and people might not like it because he's out of Texas San Antonio, but this Tariq Woolen now at six foot four, ran a mm-hmm. 4 six forty with a 42-inch boot and, and showed some coverage skills down there in mobile. I mean, this kid can play ball now. So I think that would be a really natural, if you don't get a sauce gardener in round one, to me, Tariq Woolen out of UTSA is almost like the next best option. Interesting you mention him, Rick, because I had, I had a notation on, on my sheet here, possibly play him at free safety if it doesn't work out at corner. He might give you some versatility. He can give you some versatility. I'll give you one guy for maybe even round three or round four out of Fayetteville State, this Joshua Williams. Uh, he is really impressive at six foot three. A guy that just creates fumbles, he creates interceptions, he makes turnovers happen. Uh, Fayetteville State, he's putting him on the map now. He might go top 100 maybe there in uh, round three. We only have a couple more minutes here, Rick. 
third round, fourth round. You could pick out any guy you like. How do you sort out this tight end position? The Giants are going to need one desperately in the draft. Can can I add maybe a backup running back in there, too? Sure, go ahead. Well, you know, I'll, I'll make Paul happy. I'll save the running back for last. I think the Giants have to go tight end, and I don't think they can afford to wait until day two because it's such an urgent need. They, I almost feel like round three, they've got to take the best tight end on their board. Kate Otten out of Washington is a possibility. I think you could state a case that he's the most polished tight end in this year's draft in terms of receiving and blocking. Greg Dulcich out of UCLA is another guy you got to consider. He showed some great pass-catching skills here in the postseason. But the one guy growing on me now, Jelani Woods out of Virginia, uh, he, he shredded folks at the East-West Shrine. Uh, I, I was wondering why he was there because I felt like he belonged at the Senior Bowl. His pro day uh, workout proved that. And I'll even uh, tell you this. If Jelani Woods was the first tight end off the board, I wouldn't be shocked. If he's there in round three, the Giants should do cartwheels and go and get that. In terms of a backup running back right here <laughs> in our own backyard, I mean, I've been tooting the horn for Julius Chestnut out of Sacred Heart. Uh, he reminds me of a poor man's Ramondre Stevenson. And I, I don't even want to say poor man because he has a similar skill set. He can run. He can catch, he can block. So I think Julius Chestnut is a day three type of guy you got to uh, be on the lookout for. And how about day two? Isaiah Pacheco out of Rutgers. I, I went in there in, in training camp and spoke to Greg Schiano, and he said, This kid, and first of all, he's just built like Paul Orndorff. And he, go, he goes, This is the toughest kid I've ever coached at the running back position. I said, Coach, he's tougher than Ray Rice. <laughs> I said, That's some pretty big words. Toughest running back he's ever coached. Again, someone who could run, catch, block Isaiah Pacheco out of Rutgers. He won't have to travel too far. <laughs> All right, Rick, before we say goodbye, you always have these deep dream sleeper guys, uh, you know, FCS guys, whomever. Just give us a couple day three guys that you really like that we should keep an eye on. <sighs> yeah, I know the Giants won't need a wide receiver, but Dequiz Ezard out of San Houston State, he kind of reminds me of Debo Samuel, how he was used in the 49ers backfield there a little bit. Uh, I'm going to give you a guy at, the, at defensive tackle now that went to the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. The scouts just ranted and raved about him and literally said, you got to send this man to the senior bowl. Eric Johnson out of Missouri State, six foot four, 300 pounds, ran a 487, fellas, at his uh, pro day workout. Wasn't invited to the combine. He will get drafted somewhere, I believe, in, in round four. I think he'll be the highest small school player selected. Hmm. Um Gregory Jr., how about this guy out of Otruda Baptist, Arkansas? Uh, another guy that came down to the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl and press got the call up to the Senior Bowl. Uh, I'm looking forward to him. This guy, I, I want to mention one guy that I've been pumping up. I don't hear the mainstream media talking about on the West Coast, and he's not a small school guy, but he's a small receiver in the slot. This guy, Kenny Phillips out of UCLA. He looks like Cole Beasley to me, one, Rick. Listen to me, guys. When we look back at this draft, he'll be one of the top five wide receivers that come out of this draft. That says a lot. He's that good. Rick? He's that good. And he, he can't guard him. Hey, sweet feet over there. I mean, check him out. HBCU. Uh, <laughs> James Houston out of Jackson State, right? All he did was get after the quarterback. He goes to the East-West Shrine. He plays off-ball linebacker because of height deficiencies at the next level. And then two guys down the road here in Philadelphia at Villanova, uh, Forrest Ryan. I mean, they're ranting and raving about this guy. And then uh, uh, Benford, Tristan Benford, the cornerback, a really good-looking cornerback out of Villanova. He's got a chance to get drafted. Uh, we talked about the Sam Houston State wide receiver. Let's not forget about the Sam Houston State cornerback, Zion McCullen, who could also get selected very high. So, uh, Sam Webb out of Missouri Western. There's a lot of small school guys in this year's draft, which I'm happy to see because last year was a record low. Six, only six FCS players. I'm expecting to see that number double this year. Yeah, and I think the super senior class really does help those smaller programs. Rick, great stuff. Check out all the stuff at the NFL Draft Bible, courtesy of Sports Illustrated. Enjoy the draft, Rick. We'll talk to you soon, all right, pal? Appreciate it, Rick. Sounds good. Appreciate you guys. Rick Saratello, friend of the program. He's been joining us for a very long time. We thank you for joining us on Big Blue Kickoff Live. You're right over there, Paul. 
Yeah, I'm just getting emotional. You know, we're getting closer, and I'm I'm all choked up. All right, uh, let's open up the phones. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Next half hour, folks. It's you, us on the phones. Let's talk, Paul. Want to throw a couple draft opinions at you here and things that we've been hearing. What do you got? Matt Miller on ESPN, he did a Draft Buzz article with Jordan Reed, who we both had on the show before. They're very good. Mm-hmm. They said that they're both hearing, or I think maybe, it might have been Miller's uh, piece of news directly, that the Giants love Charles Cross. Peter Schrager, mock drafts this morning, NFL.com. Giants draft Charles Cross over Evan Neal. Rick Saratella today. Mm-hmm. Giants love Charles Cross. Mm-hmm. The question is, is this purposeful disinformation that's been disseminated? Or do they really think Cross's pass pro trumps all? Which, by the way, I'm I'm very open to the argument. You know me. I care about pass protection more than anything else. So, Charles Cross is a perfectly logical selection for the Giants. There's nothing wrong with, with getting him. In fact, you'd be very happy to oh, get yeah. any one of those three tackles. Mm-hmm. And we've made that clear before. Look, I will tell you that in the last couple of weeks— the trade wins that have come my way tell me they want Iquanu as their number one tackle. But who's to say? You just said to me a minute ago how much misdirection's going on. Right. Well, here's the problem. You don't know Joe Shane real well. I don't know Joe Shane real well. I don't know Coach Dable that well. Neither do you. This is a new administration. Now, I know there are some scouts still in the building, but this is a new administration starting with the general manager. So how much stock can you put in anything without having a track record firsthand as to what they have done here? All we know is that Bean was in charge in Buffalo and Shane worked with him. Dable was up in Buffalo and he worked with both guys. You can make some logical implications based on those things, but you and I can't decipher what smoke screens are. In fact, here's the funny part, John. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. It was a scout. And I said, you know, so many of these people immediately, they can't wait to put up on Twitter that these guys visited certain teams. Do you know how many times the Giants used a first-round pick on a guy they brought in for a personal visit in the last 25 years? Now, I can't go back and give you the stats on it, but it's less than half. I mean... That's the way the old regimes of of, right. of Young and Acorsi and Reese and Gettleman, those visits really didn't give you much clue in terms of what they were looking at in the first round. Yeah, and I talked to a guy up in Buffalo, and he said they kept those 30 visits under lock and key, so they didn't really have a good feel for how okay. telling that was. They did tell me the visits at the Combine and, like, senior bowl was significant, but nothing on the third. So let's add two variables to your equation. Number one, we don't know what these guys are thinking, doing, or what their preference is, or how many interviews they did at those other places, which may have, in fact, given them enough information. Number two, and here's the other thing, and, and, and this is hysterical. Jerry Reese would tell us, that sometimes they brought guys in for visits just to throw people off. They actually were willing to do that. And we don't know if these guys are, are doing that. So it, it's hysterical when, when you know, so many of the newspaper guys got to run to Twitter immediately and write down so-and-so visited the Giants. That may not mean a hill of beans. And even more so, when I tried to tell people, again, now I'm going into my 40th season of doing this, I can't tell you how many times teams have brought in guys for visits, not because they like them. They want to be sure that they don't like them. Sometimes the guy comes in for a visit because they've got doubts and they want to cross him off their list. But the newspaper people don't tell you that, do they? They just say so-and-so visited automatically. (gasps) They must be interested. They're looking at him. Sometimes it's to eliminate a guy. Well, I mean, they're interested, but maybe what happens at the visit is a you know, negative and not a positive. Sometimes it's because the pro day visit or the combine visit didn't go well. Right. And they're like, we just wanna we just wanna make sure we can cross him off because we don't want to have doubts. We we want to eliminate the guy. But they don't tell you that. But that's what happens sometimes. That's a fact. 
So I mean, you bring in 30 guys, you only draft seven. So clearly there's a lot of guys on your visits you don't end up drafting. No, no doubt. So anyway, in answer to your question, John, I don't think either one of us have any idea how much smokescreen is out there right now about the New York Giants. No, absolutely. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Scott in New Mexico. He'll lead us off today. Scott, what's up? Hi, guys. Uh, it's been an interesting conversation for the last two weeks. But I'm a, a little confused, and maybe you can straighten me out. Uh, I saw a player yesterday on NFL Network that's not even uh, talked about. His name is Amari Barno. He's out of Virginia Tech. And I looked at his measurables just for the hell of it. Uh, he's 250 pounds, ran a 4 3 6 40. Uh, short time was great. His vertical is 37, 84-inch wing. He was span. a combine king. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm trying to determine, is there a fine line between players? Because I looked at NFL Draft Buzz just for the hell of it to see what their rankings were for the top ten prospects on the defensive side. And they have Hutchinson, uh, I'm going to, in their order, Hutchinson, uh, Thibodeau, Karloftis, Jordan Davis, Travis Walker, Drake Jackson from USC, I think. David Ajabo, Arnold Apetike, Jermaine Johnson, who's ranked ninth, and DeMarvin Leal is the tenth. But is there a fine line that there is in players uh, in the NFL, and how do you make really determinations? Because when you draft, you're looking at a whole uh, plethora of different uh, aspects of their college careers. Uh, and I wanted to know if there's a determination that's made because when you look at all the different draft strategies, how do you make the determination of who's the athlete you really want? Uh, is it a combination of just looking at game film or just do you go with your oh, gut? I mean, Scott, I mean, I, th- I think that you're, you're, you, where you're going wrong here is that you said which athlete is the one you want. You're not picking athletes. You're picking football players. Right. right. So, yeah, right. The, the film matters above everything else. You know, Barno, his film's not as good as those other guys. So even though he might have all those measurables, if you don't show it on tape, it, it's not going to, you know, that might end up being a guy you pick later on, be, you know, maybe end of day two, beginning right. of day three, you know, because he has traits. But just because he, you know, checks these boxes on measurables doesn't mean he's going to jump ahead of other guys that are also really good athletes, maybe not just no, the level he is. And I'm but, not saying that. I'm just trying to see how they make the determination. Well, yeah, when you look at they watch the tape. Just, so it's basically the tape. Yeah. Well, it's tape, and then Thank it's you, a pro- then it's projection. Okay. We we've talked about this before. How and I'm I'm stone cold against taking a guy who's a projection in the top ten. I need to have seen what I want him to do on tape to take him that high. And it's also scheme fit too, by the way. That's something well, that's, else that fits too, right? That's part of mm-hmm. it. It's all part of it. So there are so many numbers that go into that equation, Scott. I mean, honestly, uh, the question is too complicated to answer in five seconds. But there's no doubt that when these scouts look and they see X, Y, and Z, and they put that down and say, this guy can do this, 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 and that. Well, now the coordinator is going to say, all right, but I need to know, can he do this? Right. And that's a projection. You know, the player might be a first-round player for a team that wants him to do A, B, and C, but if the Giants want him to do E, F, and G... Then he's, then he's not going to be a good pick. Correct. That's it's, why it's that simple. And that's why boards are so different from team to team. Yes. You know, what you're asking of these guys based on where they're going is going to be different. Somebody, I think, might have been Daniel Jeremiah, who we all know very well and respect a whole heck of a lot. I think he said the other day on NFL Network... The best thing you could possibly say about this draft this year is that, and it's similar in other years, but he said he really feels that this year you're going to have about 100 players who are probably almost on every single team's board, but in a different order this year. He said there's probably a pretty good consensus on like 100 guys, and they're probably showing up on almost every board. It's just the order that's not going to be the same. So... Whatever. <laughs> hey, look, and one, one guy could be 15 on one board and be 45 on another. Like, it could be that big. I heard Tom McShay on one of the ESPN podcasts he does with Kuiper the other day, and he said, you know, Karloftis is a guy that some teams have in the top 20. Other teams have him in the third round. Like, there are some guys that are just very divisive in this class based on what you're looking for and what you want them to do. And then there are guys who will be off a board for whatever reason, yeah. whether it's medical, sure. personality, background checks, off-the-field issues, where teams will just say no. I know for a fact, okay, because the Giants scout told me, Mario Manningham, 
who became a really important explosive receiver for the Giants. I believe they got him in the third round. He was off a bunch of boards around the National Football League. For the off-field stuff, absolutely. Okay? But the Giants got him, and they're happy they did. So, before we get to the next call, do you? I'm starting to think this way, and I brought this up a lot at the Combine, and I've kept it in the back of my mind, but we've started to do like player evaluations. We're talking like Giants draft strategy here. I think the Giants have to maybe be a little bit more conservative with their picks this year because you can't miss. Mm-hmm. You know, you're starting a new regime. This is a long-term deal. I don't think you want to, you know, do heavy swings here. You know, a guy like, to Rick's point, you know, Derek Stingley, if he played like he did in 2019 last year, he'd be the first pick in this draft probably. That's how talented he is. Well, the but, medical wasn't an issue too. Can, well, that's what I'm saying. If he was healthy and he played like he did in 2019, right. he'd be the first pick in the draft. Yeah. But can you roll the dice on that? The stuff with Thibodeau that teams worry about, is that something for a regime's first draft pick that you want to take a chance on? Like, I feel like they're going to want to take cleaner prospects that you know what you're getting and are going to be good and set the foundation for the program more than they're going to, you know, kind of take big swings. That's just kind of my gut feel here. Intangibles will play a bigger part in these picks, I think, than they would have otherwise. I agree with that. And again, that doesn't mean it's going to trump talent, but I think it's I think it's going to be a factor. Mm-hmm. 201-939-4513. Tony in Atlantic City. He's up next. Tony! How you doing, guys? What's Hi. up? Okay, I just want to talk about... Uh, trading down on the draft. It's my opinion I don't really like going too far down, let's say New Orleans or Pittsburgh, trading up to get a quarterback. But I've heard this proposed, and I think this would be great. Giants trade their fifth to Seattle for their ninth. In addition, the Giants get Seattle's 40 pick and 41. So this is what the Giants would end up with. They would end up with seven and nine in the first round. Not a tremendous difference between what they have right now. Wait, wait, so, so, wait, 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 okay, so they're trading the fifth pick for the ninth pick then. Correct. Okay, I got you. Okay, so second round, 36-40-41, all in the top ten of the second round. Two third-round choices. If they trade uh, Bradbury and get a fourth round, they'd have two fourth rounds. They have two fifth rounds, and, of course, they have a sixth round. So, to me, I know most people want to get a first round next year if they do move down. But to me, I mean, you'd have 12 picks, and you'd have two, three, two, two. I mean, I just think that, in my mind, would be the best way to trade down. I'm looking at a a draft trade chart here. trying to see what the chart is on that. My guess is that the chart's going to tell me that you're probably getting more value. That's four or five. That's, based on the draft tech chart that I'm looking at, that's 990 points. And to go from seven, to go from five to nine is only 350 points. So I think you're, I would do that trade in a second because I think you're getting really good value at 40 and 41, and you're only moving down four spots, and I, I would be fine with that. Because at nine, you could still be looking at an offensive, you know, if you pick an offensive tackle at seven, you could be looking at Derek Stingley at nine. You could be looking at Kyle Hamilton at nine. I think you can still get a really good – you can look at Jermaine Johnson at nine. I think you'd feel really good about the player you're getting at nine. So, I, to me, that's a no-brainer. But I don't think you're going to get that much – for a four-pick move up, in my opinion. Yeah, there's a rule of thumb that you have to add premium points when trading up into the top ten, and especially if you're coming up into the top five. So even if you add up the numbers and they were close, you would still be short because you have to pay an extra premium on top of whatever the numbers say when you go that high. So, uh, A, I don't think, though, that that would be uh, a deal Seattle would make. And second of all, there's no way in the world I'm making that trade if I'm the Giants. Why? Absolutely not. The only way that I'm trading out of either five or seven is to get a one next year because of the quarterback risk. That is the only way I'm doing it. I don't want extra picks this year as much as I want that one next year if I'm going to make a deal. But, Paul, hold on a second. You're still getting your offensive tackle, okay? You're getting your offensive tackle at seven, all right? You're getting that player. I'm in this scenario. I'm assuring you, you're getting your offensive tackle at seven. Well, 
but there are no guarantees. Well, there you, never are. There are if there are three of them on the board when you make the trade. Well, at the time, you're asking me to make the trade today. No, I'm talking draft night. Oh, at the, the time? Yeah, at the time, night. if I know at the time that I can get one of those three tackles, mm -hmm. that's a different story. No. That's what I'm telling you. But to draft go into night, the draft, I can't do it. I'm telling you on draft night, I'm guaranteeing you you're getting one of those offensive tackles at seven. Well, in that case, I could probably make the deal, but Seattle's not going to do it because no, the points the points won't add up. But if that. I'm telling you you're getting your tackle at seven, you do it. Yeah, I could I could do it. Okay. I could do it because then I would even have capital there that maybe on day two I might swing a trade and do something else for next year too. Or hell, you can move back into the first round. I might even – yeah, I could even consider that. Maybe that go, would give me some other options. Maybe, maybe go get Zion or go get Kenyon Green. But, but again, until I get there and I know oh, that yeah. I still have a tackle sitting there, I'm not doing it. No, fair enough. Yeah, I agree. But uh, those three in the second round, you know how many players have – first round grades in the second round and get three all of those three are going to be in the top 10 in the second round you can get some oh yeah really good yeah no tony i agree thanks for the call man and i do think Thank that's you. i think that's where the strength that i think that's a pretty strong part of this draft in that you know 30 to 45 range so 100 percent on board Hey, Giant fans, Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. And don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giant suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. Let's go to Len in Columbia, Maryland. He's up next. Len, how are you? Hey, guys. How you doing? Hi, Len. Good. Great coverage. Great coverage. Um, you guys are really doing your homework. Um, I get the feeling you've surprised some of the guests with how much homework you've done. I think they're... <laughs> I, I get the feeling they're pretty astonished that they're getting the kinds of questions about the kinds of players that you're asking about. So, I hope so. Hey, 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 it's been fun. It's been fun. Good job. Good job. Thank you. Um, uh, uh, actually, the last two callers had, had two things I wanted to talk about, I'm, and I'm not being critical of the callers. They brought up some excellent points. Uh, the previous caller, uh, I think he was from Atlantic City, um, um, I want to ask a question, and the way I want to ask it is, is to say, why, why would Seattle want our fifth pick? To move ahead of Carolina to pick a quarterback. Mm -hmm. that, would, that would be the or maybe sure. Or maybe even right, Seattle right, wants point. a great offensive tackle. I guess that's possible, oh. too, but I think quarterback's more likely. Probably. Okay. Okay. So this is why, and it was about this time last year we had this discussion, although it was after the draft. I was disappointed in the trade that was made. And I want to say this. You know what Seattle's looking for. You know what New Orleans is looking for. You know what Atlanta's going to be looking for. If they call you on draft night, tear the value chart up. That's the godfather deal. You tear the value chart up. Yeah, but if, but if the quarterback say, is you, not you a know, You know what they want. They no, want but, a franchise quarterback. No, but, Len, but, if, if, but if, if the quarterback value isn't great, they're not going to be willing to give the godfather offer. Because they'll just say, all right, fine, we didn't get one this year. That's okay. We don't think these guys are that good anyway. And, and that would be fine with me because if you're not going to squeeze them right. and absolutely oh, yeah. max it out, oh. then just take oh, the pick. Oh, max it out. Listen, throw the, if the thing is, throw the value chart out. And that's where I was going last year with that trade. I mean, we knew what Chicago was looking for, but let me let me let me move forward on another point. Uh, Scott brought up um, some metrics on a particular player, and I didn't find anything wrong with any of the metrics. But I was curious to where he found them, which which leads me to my question: what what heights and weights do you guys go by? NFL combine, speeds? the NFL combine measurements. Is is that it? Is that your measuring stick? Yes. Because right, I'm sitting here to. at home now. Because I'm sitting here at home now, and I can find five different weights on Neil. No, yeah. Uh, from Len, what you do? Put into Google Evan Neil Combine. You're going to yeah. see the NFL. Okay. Dot com right. Combine profile come up. Okay. Use those. Okay. That's now, the standard. We, if, it's the best way to go. And if a guy didn't okay. have to have um, testing at the Combine, like it's forty times, then you use the pro. Day. You got to use the pro day. Right. And that and that's yeah. all you can do. Okay. Uh, thank you. Um, I'm, I'm not trading either of those picks. 
Um, I'm still where I was back in January. We got the fifth and seventh pick in this draft. Uh, a minute I got ago, you wanted to hold up Seattle, though, didn't you? A minute ago? No. Nope. You just said Godfather offer, rip up the trade chart and get the Godfather well, offer. I, I'm, I'm not, you, well, <laughs> I was just trying. I was just. I was just trying to. I was just trying to make a point about that's the way. Uh, that's the way I would view things. But I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to make the trade. I want. I want. I want five and seven. I've got eight guys. Stingley's at nine, looking in. I, I can't take the risk. All right, well, Len, how about this? I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw this hypothetical at you. What if I told you, though, that if you got Joe Shane on truth serum and he said to you, all right, we're going to pick at five and seven, but here's the problem. The guys that get picked fifth and seven this year would have got picked 15th and 16th in last year's draft. Doesn't matter what numbers they're picked at if they're legitimate impact players that are going to be yeah, stars right. for your team. If you no, no, the number doesn't but, matter. Although that's the point, well, though. They're, they're not I, picked I'm high not, because they're not viewed as those type of okay. players. That's my All right. point. I'm, I'm not Depends on to... what they think. Well, I'm right, giving John, you a I'm hypothetical. Tr- <laughs> All right, John, I'm not trying to put off your question, really. Right. But here, here's, here's, the way I would appro- here's the way I would approach that. If you can't have conviction in two players out of those eight, come on. What does conviction I mean? Come on. mean? There no, are two, two no, professional football players who are going to be stars in this league. No, 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 but the Lend, not everyone's going to be a star in this league that's picked in the top ten. That's not how this works. Well, look, we, four guys are going to be gone. There's going to be four left. Um, as long as one of them's a tackle, I should have said that to start out. As long as one of them's a tackle, I have to have a tackle. But any, any combination. Land. Hey, here's the tricky part, Land. There have been so many guys in the top ten over the years who have busted. Heck, there have been number one picks overall in this draft who have yeah. busted. So yeah. I happen to be in your camp, okay? You, yeah. you, me, and Lance all agree. You, yeah. If you've got conviction, and it's yeah. pretty hard for me to think they would not have conviction of two guys in the top seven. But what is oh conviction It's hard for me. We believe they're going to be slam, stars. Slam your fist on the table. Slam your fist on the table and say, "I put my name on the line. This guy's going to be a star impact player there you for go. us." There you go. There that's you conviction. Go. All right. Well, I'm, I, I think you're that's conviction. I, I will happily go through the last seventh overall picks in the draft and see how many stars there have been. Is there probably haven't been that many? But see, they're getting paid to have that conviction. I understand, but we're not. Have, but this is why you have to be humble a little bit and not be too confident in your own evaluation abilities. No, see, I, 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 I think the other thing, because I think the wishy-washy folks are the ones who wind up getting washed down the river. You have yeah. to be assertive. You have to believe and have confidence in your abilities, and you have to have belief and confidence in your people. And that's the only way to go about doing this. You have to be assertive. And if you can say, yeah. this guy checks every one of my boxes, well, now I have conviction, I'm slamming my fist on the table, and I'm taking yeah. the player. That's it. Yeah. No looking back. There you go. That's, there that's you go. the way you got to do it, John. I disagree. Could, 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 I, I think you have to I, play the odds to maximize your chance of getting as many good players as possible. That's and again, that's okay. There's logic in hey, that. It just happens to be a different flavor of ice cream. That's all. Let me let me let me ask you a question about future rounds two and three in particular. Yeah. Uh, and I don't have any player names at this point, but can we agree that what we what we this year that what we do in round one with five and seven will dictate what we do in rounds two and three. Oh, yeah, of course. I'm, sure. I mean, we're not going to pick two edge rushers uh, out of those first three picks. I, I mean, you know, I mean. Dictate's a hard so, word, and Len. Len I think, it, could yeah. it influence? Yes, but dictate, I would not use the word dictate. And it's funny, Len, you actually picked the one position ah. I think they could actually double up on. I don't think they double up on offensive oh tackle. God. I don't think they've double up on cornerback, but. Would would it shock me if they picked another if they pick an edge rusher at five or seven if they use their second third round pick on a pass rusher that wouldn't shock me. I'd be disappointed if they did that, Sean. Why? We got, well, the reason why is because we got so many holes. We got so many holes. Man, not, I mean, what, not, we not, two, not, what we do in two? What we do You're not two. drafting for need. You're drafting the best player. Oh, man, this year. I don't John. care about this year, right, Land. Okay. Land, 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 Land. Let me make something clear to you, Land. They they need to take another offensive lineman after they take the tackle in round one. If they do that, okay. they're going to okay. need to take another offensive okay. lineman and maybe right. two more offensive linemen by the time I, I, the draft said, is done. We've all discussed okay, this said, before. Okay, I said two and three. You you want to round it, six? You want to get another edge rusher in no, round no, six? Go ahead. 
Round I'm six. Talking, no, no. I'm you said. Len, I would definitely pick a guard or a center in round two. Or Why three wouldn't you? Year. Why not? Why wouldn't you? Oh, Have you I'm seen this offensive there. line the nope. last 10 years? Nope. There's too you many haven't? good players there, Paul. Too many good players. Oh that, man! That 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 take care of issues that we've got. Let me let me ask you. Len, Len, there's Paul. no bigger issue than having a foundation on the offensive line. There's no bigger right. issue than that. You don't think guard's an issue? You don't think left guard or center long term is an issue for this team, Len? You have to, man. I have no problem if they if they take a third round offensive line. And again, Len, you don't pick positions. You pick players. Like I might have well, a great need, and I'm okay. sitting there with a the pick, and I said, "Oh, I, I need to fill this hole." Right. What if nobody's good enough that that that, that you want to fill the sure. hole with? Understand, right, let me, let me, I mean, Understand this before you go any further. I'll let you finish. Yeah. Okay. Understand this. The estimation of the draft Knicks around the country are that there are going to be really good third-round offensive lineman in this draft. So we're not yep. just picking a position out of thin air and saying they should get another offensive lineman because they've been weak in offensive line. What we're telling you is yep. there's going to be value at Correct. that position in the third round. Yeah. Okay, okay. Let me, let me, let me try, try to make my point with you. Paul, you, you, you said you've been covering the team for 40 years. This is my 40th back, coming up. All right. I go back a little further than that, but we can, we can stop at 40 years. Have you ever seen a more depleted tight end room anywhere in the league in your coverage of the NFL? Oh, the Giants have had some pretty bored tight end rooms over the no, years. Len, they need, oh, my Len, God. They Come need on, to draft Paul. a tight end. We know they need to but draft a tight end. But they're going to okay. take one. They're going to take one. But remember, hold on. But remember, we, we have heard – that the sweet spot, although Rick Saratella told us a little bit differently today, we've heard the sweet spot for tight ends is third, possibly fourth round. So what's wrong with taking well, one of the fourth? Well, I want one in, because I want one in the third. <laughs> well, Len. I want to pick a tight end in the third. I want to pick a tight end in the third. Fair enough. Len, one we of got, those two we, picks. One of those two picks. Can, can, I, can I ask you a fast question about the minicamp? Sure. Is it is it fair to ask who's there and who's not, or do you you not want to go there? We are, we, we are not allowed to, to tell it. you. Okay, attendance. all right, thanks. Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. Have a good no day. No problem. You too. By, by the way, you guys, don't pick positions. You pick. If I, I maybe I'll put on my gravestone one day. You don't draft positions. You draft players. Right? I want to put that on my gravestone. <laughs> we, we should remind Len that Howard Cross and Kevin Boss were two very productive tight ends who were not very high hey, picks. Look, if you want to pick a tight end with your second, third round pick, or even if you th- if you love a guy at the top of the third round, okay. If if somebody okay. fits you. And, and, that. and here's the, the, the thing about the tight ends, by the way. Again, do you want a flex tight end? Do you want a blocking tight end? Or do you want one who does both? Mm-hmm. What do you want? Because there are three flavors in this draft. Which do you want? Because that will make a difference as to where you pick them. And you know me, I've said before that usually I think you have trouble finding good players after round four, but this is a much deeper class. So mm-hmm. you're gonna you're gonna find guys into the fifth round this year that are that, that are gonna help you. You will. No doubt. All right, let's wrap up our calls with Latasha in Brooklyn. She'll be our final caller today. Hey Latasha. How you doing? Hello. We're great. What's on your mind? I'm just talking about the Giants. Um, I'm a, I've been listening to you guys for a long time, and I'm an avid Giants fan. Thank you. Um, speaking about their picks, um, five and seven. I just, you know, I'm I really don't believe that they should trade down. Uh, I watched the disaster last year with the draft during the Dave Gettleman regime, and I think that you know the Giants are in a very unique spot this year with the nine with the nine picks that they do have. I, having said that, I understand the the dilemma they're in with the being able to pay their draft picks, um, I just don't think the trade down would be worth it for them, especially with the type of players that they that they need and the type of players that they're looking for to improve the roster. Um, I do believe that you you draft uh, players and not positions, so you take the the best available uh, um, at the time that you draft. Now, having said that, this year with the number five and seven, it just so happens that they have uh, the cream of the crop. They will have the cream of the crop available. For what for positions that they need, um, so I, I just if uh, James Bradbury is going to be moved, which I think is inevitable, whether it's a trade or a cut, he has to be moved for them to pay their draft picks. Yep. If that having said that, they need to stay where they are because you are going to have to add. You're going to have to add value at, at, on the back end of that defense with the way the NFL is now, with everybody uh, throwing a ball 100 yards down the field. You have to have players on the back end of your defense. 
So you, it's either going to be uh, a cornerback and a offensive lineman, or offensive lineman and a and a uh, uh, pass rusher. I believe that's the way that they need to go. Um, trading down is not going to do it for them because you're not going to have uh, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. You're not going to have those type of players uh, available. Aiden Hutchinson is almost sh- surely going to be gone. And then when you talk about cornerbacks, everybody is talking about uh, Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley. But, you know, for, because Derek Stingley got hurt, I think people forget about the type of athlete and the type of value he can add to a team. I mean, to me, he's the best cornerback in the draft. There's no way around it. And at his pro day, he proved that he's able, still able to be to do the things that he did on, on and showed on film before he got hurt. So, um, if if the Giants want to continue to move in the right in the right direction and, and continue to add value in the positions that they need to add value, I think they they need to take a very serious look at one of those guys. Caller, and to move down, they're not they're not going to have the opportunity to do so. Caller, John loves to give me agita with his hypotheticals, so I'm going to give one back to you and him at the same time. Bucky Brooks and sure. Cynthia Freeland were on NFL Network just two days ago, okay, and they were told to pick the top ten together. And they picked the top 10 in the draft and went as follows. Jacksonville took Walker. Okay. Detroit took Willis. Oh, that's stupid. It's already a stupid draft, but okay. Houston took Neal. Mm-hmm. The Jets took Gardner. The Giants got Aquano at 5. Carolina took Cross. And the Giants got Hutchinson at 7. That's one of the silliest Which mock drafts I've ever seen in insane. my whole life. It's insane. It's, it's it, stupid. Let's it's, be honest. It's a five, it's a five trillion to one that it happens. Okay, yeah, that's not going to happen. Okay, it's not. <laughs> I, and I'm with you. And I'm with you. But see, Josh and I are on the same side well, here. Did you and, know? Okay, now, but here's the point. You give me a bunch of hypotheticals to, to okay, give me agita. Fine. I know. And the, that, this was agita. an NFL Network hypothetical by Brooks and Freeland. Let me see that. Hold together. On. That's it right there. The most ridiculous thing about Willis. this, by the way, Willis is nuts. No, is the fact that the Giants picked Equanu over Hutchinson. When two tackles are left. That's crazy. I'm just telling you what they did. It was their hypothetical. They went through it, and I had to write this down because I'm looking at it, and I'm like, are you kidding me? I I was blown away by it. Go ahead, Latasha. I'm sorry. But that's my point. The point is is everything that's – absolutely ridiculous. It is, but Uh, but here's the point. That is egregious. The There's point no is, every, falls like that. and I, you're absolutely right. It's not going to. I'm not crazy no, enough I, to believe I it. I know you're not. Know but you're the not. point is, hypotheticals are usually insane anyway. This one just happens to right. be triply and, insane. <laughs> and I, and that's why I don't, I don't base, I don't base the draft and the way that I look at how how the team should pick on hypotheticals. But but yeah, I would I would add like, this. When I, when I, I, talk, I would when add I talk this, Leticia. Uh, yeah, but Leticia, in in reference to your point. And I'll ask John right. this. It's theoretically possible based on how we hear Thibodeau is falling. If the Giants got Iquano and Thibodeau, would you still be in favor of trading if those were the two guys they wound up with five and seven, which does not sound sure. quite as outlandish as it would have two months ago? She doesn't want to trade, but, yeah, I'd move out. You would move out. You uh, would not I mean, want those two. No, I'd like the players, but, but what am I getting? All right, Letitia, could you possibly move off of those two guys if you got them? Um, I mean, I think that those two guys definitely add value to the team. But yeah. at, again, what what at what cost? You you gotta you know I mean you you look you gotta look at all the checks and balances. And to me, for I know the Giants are not probably not going to win this year. They you know they're still in the rebuild mode. To me, they're very much in the rebuild mode. So I'm not expecting that. But what I am expecting them to do is to, to make the best out of what they have with those nine picks. And to me, to do that, you need somebody on your back end, and you need you need to, the trenches. You need offensive line. I don't care what the Giants do. So you they want a Quano and, you want a Quano and Gardner is what you want. That will work well. Absolutely, okay. that will work well. All right. Because you gotta you have to in order to build a winning team, you have to start in the trenches. If your O line and defensive line is not there, I don't care who you have back there. You can have the greatest of all time at, at quarterback. You are not going to win. And the Giants proved that when they beat Brady twice in the Super Bowl. You are not going to win if you don't have your trenches built. No, good you call. Need, you need defensive yep. backs, and you need your trenches to be solid. 
If you can't move people off the ball, forget about it. No argument for me. Well, Tasha, you, 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 I think you and Paul are on the same page. She's been listening to this show a long time. Thank you for the call, Tasha. Appreciate it. Good stuff. <laughs> Thanks. Good to hear from you. Welcome Thank you. to the show. You're welcome. And Thanks for being such a long-time listener. We appreciate it. Oh. So, yeah, that, this is why, as Lance always says, mock drafts just well, here, here's how I look throw them in the Paul. garbage. The guys I would feel just talking about where there's a big drop-off, right? I feel great about the top three offensive linemen. I feel fine about Hutchinson. I feel fine about Thibodeau. I feel fine about Trayvon Walker. I feel fine about Jermaine Johnson. So you got seven guys. I'm not done yet. Oh, you got more. I feel good about Sauce Gardner. I feel good about Derek Stingley. I feel okay about Kyle Hamilton. So you got ten. Is there anyone else I'll put in that mix? Look at my big board here. The point is you got more than seven. That's the point. Because you got to have at least seven. That is about where I have my line. All right, I'd say. So I think there's a drop off after about ten. And if the Giants were in a different situation, I would consider going with a wide receiver in that group too. But eh, I don't feel great about that. So I'll, I'll simply say I think the Giants will move out of one of those spots. I personally would not. It's just a different flavor of ice cream, and that's fine. I see logic in doing it. I don't have a problem with it. All right, Paul. Good stuff. You too. For Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmelk. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow at 2 o'clock, a special time, because we're going to be following Joe Shane's pre-draft press conference, and we'll take your calls then at 2 o'clock on Wednesday. We'll see you then, everybody.